Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading for today, if you would like to follow along uh, in your pew Bible or in the nifty little insert Kathy has printed out for you, comes to us from the Old Testament from Genesis 18, chapters, uh, chapter 18, verses 1 to 15, and chapter 21, verses 1 to 7 from the message translation of Scripture. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. God appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. It was the hottest part of the day, and he looked up and saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them and bowed before them, and he said, Master, if it pleases you, stop for a while with your servant. I'll get some water so you can wash your feet. Rest under this tree. I'll get some food to refresh you on your way since your travels have brought you across my path. They said, certainly, go ahead. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, and he said, hurry, hurry, get three cups of our best flour, knead it, and make bread. Then Abraham ran to the cattle pen and picked up a nice calf and gave it to the servant, who lost no time getting it ready. Then he got curds and milk and brought it with the calf that had been roasted and set the meal before the men and stood there under the tree while they ate. The men said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said in the tent. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year. When I arrive, your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the tent opening just behind the man, and Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was far past her age for having babies. Sarah laughed within herself, an old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband? God said to Abraham, why why did Sarah laugh? Saying, saying what she did. Why did Sarah laugh, saying, me, have a baby? Is anything too hard for God? I'll be back about this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. Sarah lied. She said, I didn't laugh because she was afraid. But the man said, yes, you did. You laughed. And God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. God did to Sarah what he promised, and Sarah became pregnant and gave Abraham a son in his old age. And at that very time, God had set Abraham, God, and at that very time, God had set. Abraham named him Isaac, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter, and all who get the news will laugh with me. She also said whoever would have suggested to Abraham that Sarah would one day nurse a baby. Yet here I am. I've given the old man a son. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. 
On this Trinity Sunday, we hear this story of three unidentified men, strangers really, visiting Abraham and Sarah. But before we take a look at this story we hear from Genesis, there's another story I think we should hear today. In 1946, uh, this story might sound familiar to you, but in 1946, Marcia Brown published a retelling of a well-known European folktale where three French soldiers were on their way home from war, and they made their way to this little village. Seeing the soldiers making their way toward them, the people who lived there, peasants really, made themselves busy. You know how you make yourself busy when you see someone you don't really want to talk to? I, it's okay if you, if you admit it, I've done that before myself. But they've made themselves busy to avoid contact with them. They tucked their food underneath their mattresses or in their barns so that when the soldiers asked for food, they would just look busy. Finally, one of the soldiers told the people living there that they could make an excellent soup from stone if only someone lent them a pot. Well, the curiosity eventually overcame their reservations, and so they lent them a pot. And when asked what could be done to make the soup even better, the soldier said, well, we could use a little carrots or lettuce or other vegetables or meats to add some garnish to make the soup better. So slowly, bit by bit, the villagers offered up the food they had been hiding. And what began as a story of inhospitable people ended up with a soup made possible by each person sharing something they had tucked away. In our reading for today, we see Abraham doing the opposite. And it seems pretty crazy when we see Abraham offering up the best of what he has to offer to these strangers. But Abraham was doing what was culturally expected of him, even if by our own modern standards, it seems a little over the top. In Marcia Brown's story, the opposite takes place. The three strangers who come to the village looking for food are met not with a warm welcome, but with a cold shoulder. Yes, the strangers eventually went over the villagers, but should they really have had to work so hard in the first place to earn their welcome? They were, after all, strangers who are hungry and need of food. In contrast to the cold shoulder and brown story, Abraham upholds the law of hospitality, welcoming the strangers into his home, offering them food and water, offers them shelter, offers them the best calf he could find, offering them bread and water and a place to wash their feet. He offered them shelter. Looking at the state of the world we live in, our country, let alone our world, we might look at how we can practice the spiritual discipline of welcome in our lives and the power that welcome has to bring about change. And this, spirit, and this spiritual discipline of welcome is one we can do regardless of our age, regardless of our ability. It's one that we can continue to cultivate as we welcome people, welcome experiences, and welcome God. There's something about the act of welcome that's transforming. 
in and of itself. When I welcome someone into my home, whether it be a friend or a family or maybe someone I don't know so well, that is a transforming moment. We open ourselves to something new when we welcome a person or an experience or God into our lives. But how do you cultivate this practice of welcome? Perhaps you need to start small and work your way up. I don't know how many of you watch um, YouTube. You can sort of get down a rabbit hole of watching video after video. But there's this British YouTuber named Tom Scott, who I enjoy, who does a series of educational videos about um, things I at least find interesting. But he documents his overcoming his fear of riding roller coasters. He begins, and, and this for him is a genuine fear, he begins on the most petite, the most tamest ride. One Braden could probably ride, well, Braden probably was a little too small, but someone a child could ride. But he works his way up to the most extreme roller coaster, the one where you're really strapped in with the harness and you go loop-de-loops and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, he overcame his fear. By welcoming in the experience, he overcame something that would allow him to participate in more shared moments with friends. As we cultivate a practice of welcome, both in our lives in a real sense, but in a spiritual sense also, we ponder how we can welcome in those moments of the divine. We can adapt our practice of welcome to begin wherever we want to start as long as we are willing to commit to doing something. The practice of welcome, the practice of welcoming, lets us see what makes each person, each experience unique and special. It allows us to be curious, even doubting and perhaps even allowing us to laugh for a moment like Sarah, only to find that with God, Nothing is impossible. Nothing is hard. And God will turn our expectations upside down. As we cultivate this practice of welcome, I really do wonder how transformative this practice would be if it's something we took to heart in our everyday lives. Perhaps if we cultivated a sense of welcome not just in our church, but in our communities, in our lives, in our homes, how things might be different. Perhaps we would alleviate the fear, the irrationality of those who are compelled to do such drastic and devastating acts to their fellow human beings and to creation. How transforming could welcome be if we truly opened our hearts as Abraham opened his heart to the strangers who visited him and letting in something new? That, I think, is the question we pose to ourselves as we consider what a practice of welcome looks like in our lives. But now, at at the risk of contradicting myself, I think we can be too welcoming. Now, when I say too welcoming, what I'm getting at more is how we practice that welcome, uh, not, not the idea itself. How we practice welcome in maybe not so constructive ways. 
For example, there was a time while I was visiting a church on a family vacation. We were up in uh, Maine somewhere. No Presbyterian churches, so, you know, you have to make do with what you find. Still lovely people, lovely people. Let me say that, lovely people. What wasn't lovely, though, was that when it got to that time, you know, where we say, hey, who's new? We'd love to meet you. We'd love to say hello. Well, when our family stood up, everyone turned around, started hugging us, raising their hands, saying, we prayed you in. Not a, a little over the top for my taste. <laughs> I think our practice of welcome lies somewhere in between. Giving, you know, it lies on the spectrum. On the one hand, you have giving people the cold shoulder like you find in Brown's story. And on the other hand, you have a little bit too much warm of a welcoming uh, as, as those people in the church that I had visited. And somewhere in between, we find how we can welcome people, how we can welcome God authentically into our lives, into our hearts and our minds. Abraham and Sarah's welcome of the three strangers is a reminder that nothing is too great for God in our welcoming. And for our hearts that are also hurting in this world, for our communities that are hurting, we could certainly use the power, the healing power of welcome. I'd like to just share a couple lines from a poem penned by Howard Thurman titled uh, Our Little Lives. And there's these two wonderful lines. Thurman writes, we do not know how to do what we know to do, and we do not know how to be what we know to be. We may not always get the spiritual practice of welcome right. We might not always know how to welcome. We might not even know how to welcome ourselves. Our lives might get a little hectic. We might laugh at something we think is impossible. We might ache at the thought of a broken promise. Yet if we receive God in the unprepared and unexpected moments as authentically and as real as we can, we never know what awaits, and the impossible might become possible. Our challenge will be to prepare a space where we can welcome God and others into our midst at any moment. That visit might take the form of something we weren't expecting, because as we know, with God, all things are possible. When that happens, it's my prayer that it enriches and empowers us to become more compassionate and become a more hospitable people who can listen, who can trust, who can have faith as we grow as people and grow as communities in the way God desires most. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.